0: Thank you so much for being here for episode number two. This week, I sit down with Juliette Root, a transformative coach who helps her clients navigate their relationship with food and transform their lives from the inside out. Juliette and I talk about her own journey, following her curiosity to discover the link between trauma, feelings, nutrition, and fitness, and how to bring more awareness into our day-to-day lives. A quick note that right around the 30-minute mark, the oh-so-reliable Costa Rican power grid, just kidding, Decided to cut out, and as a result, Juliet and I resumed our conversation only a couple of days later. It makes for a slightly awkward pause, but the conversation picks right up on the other side. Enjoy this episode with Juliet Root. Hello, hello. Hi there. Juliet, How's it going?
1: It's going really well. How are you doing today?
0: Good. Nice to meet you. Thank you for joining me on my experimental podcast.
1: I am very happy to be here. I love being on podcasts. Since I do so many where I'm the person interviewing, I'm like, yay, I get to be on a podcast. Yeah,
0: I feel you. I also kind of prefer to be the guest on the podcast rather than the host. So um, (laughs) I'm glad I'm able to give you that gift today.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah. Um, So I came to you because um, I want to share as much as I can about my own spiritual journey with this world and uh, getting healthy and nutrition and life coaching have all been things that have helped me along my own path. And your title of transformational coach is something that really grabbed my attention. I don't think I'd come across it anywhere else before. Uh, despite working with a life coach. So can you tell me a little bit more about the title itself and the kind of work that you do with your clients?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I myself have gone through the whole journey of health, body, nutrition, transformation, therapy, all the things myself. So um, I can speak to that as well from a personal level of everything that I've tried. And it really started for me because I was... um, A personal trainer. That was my first uh, foray into health and wellness. And then from there, I went on to become a nutritionist and particularly an integrative nutritionist, where I really saw food as a way of helping people heal from different physical ailments. Uh, And then from there, it turned into realizing that there were a lot of, uh, parallels between the way that people were, uh, dealing with their food and how they felt about their mental health and their, their traumas started to come out. And I was not prepared for all of that. (laughs) Like, wow, it's, it's, uh, one thing to be able to tell people like, here's, here's what works and here's a plan. And then another for someone to actually do that. And to actually have a change in their life. And so from there, I went on to study the psychology of eating and get into the mindset piece of how does someone actually make that, uh, that shift and take care of themselves. And how do you go underneath those layers of the mind? And that was really what led me into more of my spiritual practice and working with people and from there I went on to study energy healing. And so it was this kind of just real, just whole, like it was the body, the mind, and then the spirit. And that's the order that I take people through. And that's the transformation. And, you know, we always start with the body because, you know, this vessel we have is housing the soul. And so we have to look at that first. And then from there, we look at the layers of the mind and how that's interacting with the body. And then when, once you get to have all of those things in working order, then the spirit says, hello, I'm here. And I'm feeling ready to do my job now because you're taking such better care of me. And it's really this beautiful trajectory that happens. Uh, and so that is the full transformation really. And I didn't know really what else to call myself. I'm kind of like transformation and integrative healing coach is the kind of the two things that I toggle between. But before that it was just a health coach, but this is way beyond just physical health. This is overall transformation. So that's how I kind of got to that title.
0: Mm -hmm. How long did it take you to go from like your expertise in nutrition to doing this full holistic approach?
1: 11 years it's been of working with people with this. So yeah but it, I took some time off. I was a co-owner of a business for a long time. So I really was only doing it very part-time. And so it's just been since, uh, February of 2021 that I went back to being Mm full-time. Okay. Not even a year of doing it full-time again.
0: Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so, what, what does the, the work itself, uh, you know, how long does that take with your clients? How much time do you usually spend with them? What kind of exercises do you take them through? What is the general regimen? Yes.
1: Yeah, so it really is dependent upon the person. And I definitely don't have a one-size-fits-all approach with even timing with someone. But what I have really recommended is it being a 12-week minimum for many people. And I, I'm, you know... Very open to it being less than that depending on the person but what I found really works is twelve weeks this three month period of every single week working together and then doing things when we're not together and supporting them in those little you know home assignments that they need to do uh, to really help them because you know they're with me they're with me one one and a half hours maybe or less and then the rest of the time they're doing their thing so it's important that there are things that I I support them with in between and yes, so it's body, mind and spirit work. So really the body part, I support people with their nutrition and, um, and their movement piece, just kind of making sure that that foundational stuff is there. And we can get more into diet if that's something you do want to talk about, but it's, there's so many nuances with it, but really it's just about meeting the person with where they're at. And, uh, many clients that I have struggle with food and their body and, uh, from years of programming, what they should eat, what they shouldn't eat, what they should look like, what they shouldn't look like. And so there's that piece of that, which is a big trust piece, kind of figuring out how do you trust your body and, um, and, and feel good about what you're putting in it. And then the mind part is I, I, really work with people to, to teach them a lot about how the mind works. Because you've got, you know, different components to yourself, right? You have the person who is talking in your head. You have the person who's seeing that and observing that. And what, who are those people? What's happening there? But, you know, how do I become more on the observer seat so that I can support myself in making changes? And then the spiritual aspect, the energy aspect, uh, that is a little, yeah, it's, it's a little more, of the invisible part that I can't explain (laughs) with words, but that's my, you know, I can basically just feel people's energy and, uh, kind of tap into like what they need and what they don't need in that moment. And, um, and yeah, there's a huge trauma piece to this that we can talk about, but pretty much every client I work with, uh, it's really about unraveling some of that, like past Mm -hmm. trauma, being able to,
0: And I'm sure you'll agree like trauma can be big trauma or small trauma, you know, just small little micro things that happen, you know, as, as a kid or as a teenager, uh, or even as adult, you know, that you can still be carrying in your body as well, even if it's not this, you know, giant traumatic story.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's just understanding just how our, how our minds work and, you know, the subconscious mind and how we take things in from the time we're little and even just. Giving language to that for people and explaining how that works is very freeing for for many of us when we learn, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense now. Mm -hmm. And when things make sense, you feel less like a victim and more like you have the power, you can take your power back in that moment. So That's a really powerful part of all this too, is just realizing how powerful we really are Mm -hmm. when we realize that we are not a product of our circumstances.
0: Yeah, I did a journaling class uh, a few months ago, and uh, there was a segment in there. I think it was five days straight of just writing little stories about trauma. And I never felt like I had a story of trauma, but once I started digging into it, it was just I I called it like uh, short stories about micro traumas. And it was like all little instances where guy friends either betrayed me or did something that didn't feel good. And how for me that was just kind of normal and part of the story. But once I started writing about it, just so much more came out and I could see how it influences my male friendships today and how I've struggled with masculinity in general.
1: Yeah, because it's this one one or two or however many, you know, seemingly insignificant incidences that happen to us. But what happens is that we sort of tether away and a piece of us says, oh, I'm just going to go over here now and I don't, I don't want to come back out because I have, there's a fear now around being that authentic version of yourself. It's so it's learning when you, when you learn that about yourself, then you can say, okay, now I'm going to put trust back in and I'm going to go back out there with the understanding that I am my caretaker. I can support myself. If these feelings start to come up, I can understand that these feeling where they come from, and that it's not somebody else who's making me feel this way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, something you said, were saying before, remind me of uh, our daughter, Charlie, well, both of our kids, they're very glutinous. Um, and, you know, especially after dinner time, it feels like they could just stuff their faces with more and more food, like it doesn't matter what you would offer them, they would just eat it. And we try to, you know, have dinner and kind of be done with it. So we're not building this habit of taking sweets, you know, after you're you're finished dinner right before bedtime. Um, But we're trying to teach them to make the distinction between what their body actually needs and just what the mouth is kind of asking for. And we see them, you know, obviously they need a lot of time to learn these little lessons, but we can see them recognize, you know, sometimes just the mouth wants to change up the flavor and want something sweet, but your body, it doesn't actually need it. It's actually full from the dinner you just had.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And there's that insatiable part of us all, but especially with kids, because everything is so new and exciting and they are, they are in that place of, you know, that I believe they're under seven, right?
0: They are, yeah. Five and
1: seven. They're in that, like that zero to seven stage is that really like powerful place in life where you're just a sponge and Mm -hmm. you're just taking it all in and everything is very imaginative and, and experiential. So that insatiable nature in kids is, it's a beautiful thing. And yeah, just watching them be able to tap into their own intuition and like what their bodies need, they have more capacity to do that than I do in my thirties. So it's great to see children and how they're able to be like, I'm, I'm full or I'm hungry or this is what I need, or this is what I don't need.
0: Yeah. Same. I mean, I'm still stuck in that phase, you know, zero to seven years old when it comes to food, I just love food and it tastes so good and it's such a enjoyable part of you know being alive and being a human like you get to experience all of the flavors and it does require some you know re-learning rewiring yourself to have a healthy relationship with it like i i've done my nights of like binging on salty food then sweet food salty food sweet food and it, it was never got really problematic but i just enjoyed it so much like i needed to stop that not so great habit and kind of rewire myself to really do it in a healthier way.
1: Yeah. Well, food can be a real spiritual gateway for a lot of people. It was actually one of mine when I was 25, I had been really suffering with like going on diets and like restricting myself and, uh, over-exercising from a time I was, well, 12 is when I believe I went on my first diet And 14 is when I started working out and it would never truly came from a place of like wanting to have better performance or athleticism. It really came from a lack or feeling like I lacked, uh, confidence. And so I really did a lot of experimentation and tortured myself for so many years that it was when I was 25, when I was having a real issue with binge eating, where I could not stop eating at night, especially. And I would think about food all day long and it was consuming to me. And then I would be, feel so shameful and guilty and would exercise for hours the next day in order to, you know, burn it off what I thought was (laughs) burning it off. Right. And, uh, and it was just this cycle that I was caught in. And that was one of the things that actually really got me into looking at myself on a deeper level for one of the first times and go, like going down a spiritual path was that. And because many times when we feel like we are helpless to something, at least my experience, it can bring us to a place of a deeper learning about ourselves. And why am I using this in this way? What am I trying to fill what void right what is this hole and what do i need and it's not food because no matter how much food i ate it was never filling the filling that void and so it was looking at what parts of myself really wanted to wanted to be looked at so yeah food is an interesting one for a lot of people when their relationship with it can really actually be a spiritual uh thing for many people
0: yeah was there like a specific moment where you were like i need to look at this more closely and take charge Or was it just kind of a more natural progression?
1: I think that, I mean, I knew that I had issues with food and, you know, my body image for many, many years, but at an acceptable level where it was, it never felt like I, it was unmanageable or I was needed to get, you know, support, but it was still consuming from the time I was young. If I, you know, I look at journals that I wrote when I was in uh, high school pretty much all of them talk about how fat I am and how ugly I am and how no one will ever want me. And I'm unlovable and I'm disgusting. It's really sad. Uh, and, but that was just, that was in my head. That's how I lived. And it wasn't until I actually got into the fitness industry and uh, for a multitude of reasons, but one of the big reasons is because I really wanted to be able to change my own physique. And I found power in that. And then there was, it's like a double-edged sword on the one hand, I found a lot of power in this new uh, way of living and being, and there was performance that was exciting me. And it was not as much about, I actually was feeling confident myself for the first time with being able to do things from an athletic standpoint. And the other, uh, the double-edged sword is that you're in a very toxic environment where everybody really just cares about how they look, um, at least in the, in the environment that I was in at that time. And so then this focus is still purely on my aesthetics and how that is my life, but it wasn't until I was in a, uh, a really tumultuous relationship. And in that relationship, I started to binge eat in a way that I'd never experienced before where it really just felt completely out of my control. And uh, I ended up leaving that relationship and uh, moving away and like totally a dark night of the soul moment for myself. And that is uh, when I started my journey of like getting help and seeking out therapy. Uh, but it was actually kind of a, like a five-year journey of working on my health and nutrition until, and going back to school to study the psychology of eating and, and, and all of that, because I wanted to then help people, uh, because I had transformed so much and there were so many parallels in that way, but yeah, so it was a lot of things and food for me was, and the way I was using it was like a side effect of a much bigger issue.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of like the re like everybody knows that they should be eating more healthy, but for some reason, it's always so hard to do. And it's, you know, until we uncover those deeper causes for them, only then can we really start making the changes, even though on a cognitive level, we know that we should be doing better. If the emotion is kind of driving the car in that moment.
1: Emotion drives everything is what I realized in my life. Like that is what's driving all of our lives all the time. And it's about learning yourself and learning your emotional, you know, uh, what your emotions are telling you. Yeah, And also being able to, to have some kind of take some space from your emotions, like be again, being that observer of yourself rather than being wrapped up in it is such a skill to cultivate. That really helps.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to uh, bring up a quote that's on your website, which really captivated me. And I was hoping you would have some insight. Uh, it says, ever since I was a little girl, I've been on a quest to understand the inner workings of human beings and one makes them either stray away from their magic or fully embody it to live a purpose-driven life. So referencing your little girl, what have you discovered since that time? And do you feel like that there, there is a magical answer?
1: Mm. I think the answer is very individual. I don't, I don't think there's one, one answer I can speak for myself and especially why ever since I was a little girl, I was fascinated by people and like what makes them stray away from who they are or, or embody this, you know, magical being and their gifts. And a lot of that has to do with my own trauma. I had, you know, my father, you know, unfortunately he was uh, an alcoholic and he was, uh, he was an overeater and he ended up, passing away of a heart attack when he was only 54. And I was 16. And I just watched him suffer so much. And he was this beautiful, talented musician. He had three Grammy awards. Like he was just like one of the most spectacular artists, but he was suffering on the inside for so many years. and never worked on that part of himself, never did the inner work. And so I just watched that decline. And So that is part of what my fascination was with people. And my mom, she suffered from mental illness from the time I was 10. And she's also a very gifted, very spiritual person who uh, through just, I, I mean, I don't know exactly why she, you know, strayed away so much from her own gifts and, you know, but she was overwhelmed by life and her own trauma from her past. And so it was a lot for me around trying to figure people out, like, here are these Amazingly gifted people, my parents, and they can't enjoy their life. And now one's gone. And so I've always just been someone who watches people and sees how they maneuver, how they interact. And I've been able to read people. And I do think that there is a superpower that comes with having a lot of trauma. <laughs> and that is the gift of being able to read energy and people because you get very sensitive. To energy from a young age when you've gone through a lot. So it sort of turns up your senses and to answer your question about, you know, how do what's the, is there a magic answer for how people can be in their magic? I think it's what we're talking about, which is learning who they truly are and not straying away from the shadow, not straying away from, from their trauma, really fully looking at all of it as making you a whole human being and being able to go into what your truth is. And that's different for each one of us and following that is really hard in the world we live in when we're constantly being bombarded by, you need to do it this way. You need to look this way. You need to eat this way. Uh, You should be here at this age, right? So all those messages that we receive, it's very challenging to be able to clear out that noise and go inward and get in touch with you, like the essence of, of who you are and what actually makes you feel good. And, but I think that when you can kind of see through all the BS and you give yourself permission to do that and you surround yourself with, with other people and especially community is so important. Other people who can support each other in that way, it can help you kind of distill down to like the core of who you really are. And then the other piece of it that I think for, for me in particular, and I do suggest this to a lot of clients is following your curiosity. Mm. There is a real magic in just following like, oh, I'm really curious about this. Oh, I want to try this. And then not being straight away because, oh, that's not cool. Or I'm never going to like be good at that. Or what's that going to give me? Like I prevented myself for so many years from doing anything because I was like, well, what's the payoff? Like, why should I even do that? If I don't know that it's going to make me more money or it's going to, make me f- feel better or be cooler or whatever. Right. And so, um, now I'm like, if I want to read a book about fairies, I'm just going to read a book about fairies. Cause I'm curious about it. <laughs> it makes me happy. And so I think there's that piece of it's really important.
0: Yeah. You said so many things that really resonate, especially for where I'm at right now in my own journey, we're kind of in between careers. We just moved out of Canada, living here in Costa Rica. And there's just so many things in motion and I I keep feeling the the push-pull of needing to do something concrete that brings something specific to the world that generates money, you know, so that we can live. And yeah, just kind of like trying to rebuild a business that's contained within a box, which is what I'm used to doing. But instead, I am discovering that I can do so many different things that pique my interest. I can learn to play the flute. I can take a drawing class. I can have my meditation practice, I can still work on our business a few hours a day if I need to. Um, I can start a podcast, (laughs) I can still love photography, I can do all of these different things, and they can all be part of who I am. And that's, that's where I feel like most powerful is when I own all of these interests, and all of these things that I can do is when I feel I'm my most authentic self, and when I feel most centered and happiest as well.
1: Yeah. That's important to listen to yourself. And it is really easy to get distracted when you listen to a podcast and there's someone, you know, of let's say a Tony Robbins caliber, who's saying you cannot, I'm not quoting him directly, but just using him as a placeholder. Like you can't be a jack of all trades and a master of none. You need to focus on your craft and honing that. And that's what's going to really get you there. And it's like, when you hear things like that, and of course we just live in this society of wanting to be highly successful and that that's going to give you all of, of the things. That's the illusion that no matter how many times I'm aware of the illusion, I'm still caught up in the illusion, <laughs> no matter how many times I'm like, it's such an interesting thing to know that it really doesn't get you anything. And yet you still are like, let me just keep going. Let me just, because maybe I'm different, but no,
0: no, <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that, you know, I, as, as I do this podcast and I share more about my journey, Um, it's a good reminder to just be mindful of how the message is delivered because the path is so unique to every person and you know for for me I would never want to impose the way that things have worked out for me on someone else be like sell your house move here quit your job do this you know it's everybody has their own journey and I think it's important to be respectful of other people's journeys and also have that grace towards ourselves in that the journey is not linear and it's going to have its bumps along the way. And it's sometimes going to go backwards and forwards and all of it is good. There's no right or wrong.
1: Yeah. That's been a real lesson for me as a practitioner is making sure that I'm not projecting my own stuff on the client. It's something you have to really be cognizant of because of course, like I've had my own major journey and there's all, I can see, you know, Oh, you know, there's all these parallels between my, myself and this person. And, but it's really understanding that they are on their own unique path always And so, you know, it's okay to share a little bit, you know, and have that commonality, but to impose certain ideas because they may have worked for me may not be the best thing for, for that person. And so that's been an interesting thing for me to look at, especially this last year as I'm now doing this again, you know, more full time is just being aware of myself in that way. Like, Oh, maybe don't say anything about that. Just let them let them just be with themselves because we all have our, we have our answers. They're, they're inside of each one of us.
0: Yeah. Another important reminder too, is that the work is never finished. You know, you're, you're, you're a coach now who has been, you know, on this journey for a long time now, but I'm, I'm sure, you know, your own journey just keeps evolving and there's always like more and more layers, you know, to peel away at and more things to uncover. I know that's been the, the case for me for sure.
1: Oh yeah, 100%. I'm I've definitely been on a roller coaster myself with in this last year because, you know, I quit my job. I moved to the mountains. <laughs> I completely changed my life that I had for 11 years. So, everything right now is new for me and uh I recently shared on my my last podcast uh that I truly feel like I died and that I am reborn. That person who I was back in Philadelphia, which is where I lived uh, before we moved to Boulder, Colorado, uh, I don't even know who that person was. It's really, really bizarre. <laughs> the way I think and the way I perceive and the way I receive, everything feels different. And so I'm getting to actually know my like, new self right now.
0: Have you felt yourself go through that process before? Or is this kind of like the first time you really feel this death rebirth in yourself?
1: I was thinking about that uh, prior to this podcast, and I believe this will be the third. And, and then I, I, I did the timeline and it is seven year cycles. And I'm like, oh, that is really interesting. You know, I'm no, I'm no astrology expert, but a lot of astrologists will talk about these seven year cycles. And when I did the math, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. 18, 19, 25, 33. I'm like, those are seven-year cycles.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. You're, it, it's funny. Just before we started recording, I was listening to one of their coaches on Fit for Service, which is the mentorship I've been part of all year, um, was talking about her own death portal, she called it, and just the kind of the cycle that she's going through at the moment. So it, it definitely feels like it's it's, it's there for a lot of people right now uh, even in the men's circle that i host um a lot of the guys you know are expressing that they're going through this like big change and it's bringing up a lot of anxiety and it's this transition from the old to the new it's very uncomfortable for a lot of people
1: it is really uncomfortable because it feels like you're pushing up against this edge and you don't know like what it even is it really does feel like you're Yeah. Like you're making your way out of the birth canal. Like it's tight. It's uncomfortable. It's stressful. It's you're anxious. You don't know what's on the other side, but you're also excited because you know that there is this light that you're stepping into, but that light is also what kind of responsibility comes with that. What's that going to be? Who's going to be there? And, um, I've been, I've been able this time around in this process to have a really different awareness with myself. I think that comes with age and what I've been through in my past, but this rebirth has, been, has come with, I'm completely the seer of it all while it's happening. So that's been really in- interesting for me.
0: Mm, that's awesome. I am mean, also, I'm kind of like, I'm on the other side of the funnel, you know, where you're like, you've gone through the squeeze and things are starting to open up right now. And I, as, as they come to me, I'm like, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what I'm going to do. I like, I'm, I'm sort of in that phase, but at the same time it's like excitement for all the things that it could be. Um, yeah it's a it's an interesting place especially as the observer to just like sit there and watch things happen and unfold i'm enjoying it slash terrified at the same time most days
1: <laughs> hello again hi there
0: <laughs> how you doing
1: good how long was uh, your power out
0: you know what? It did last a couple hours, so wow. why we didn't wait around. Yeah. Sometimes it's like 30 seconds, you know, and it comes right back. Sometimes it's hours on end. So,
1: Oh, my gosh. You just have to. Yeah, you're in that jungle living now. You never know. Uh, yeah,
0: You can't fight it. You can't be mad at it. You're like, I've chose to live here and to have a more simple life. So this is all part of it.
1: I love when I'm on calls with Davina and I hear monkeys in the background. Yeah. It's um- a <laughs> Awesome, because that's one of the highlights from our trip to Costa Rica. We've only been once, but uh, was that just being around all that wildlife and hearing monkeys? And like, you know, I remember six in the morning, this torrential downpour, and just hearing the monkeys, and it was just that, like, I will never forget. It was just so visceral.
0: Yeah, it's one of my favorite things to hear is to wake up at like 5.30, 6 in the morning and hear those howlers, you know. The first time I heard it when we were here last November, it um, scared the shit out of me. I was like, what is this like predatorial animal in the bush, you know? And then it's like cute little monkeys.
1: <laughs> I know, they're so loud. I think you can hear them from like a mile away or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, and wow. they communicate, you know, like the different groups communicate from like within the, the hills. yeah. Um, but yeah, they're super cute. Like when you see them up close and they're, you know, they seem very yeah. gentle too with humans. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a awesome. nice light rain outside right now. And I can feel like a bit of that fresh breeze coming in. It's super nice.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. awesome. It's uh, 35 <laughs> degrees here. And <laughs> there was some snow dusting. It's really weird weather. We've been having like, it was 75 yesterday and then 25 this morning with snow. And this week is supposed to be like 15 low, 50 high on any given day. It's very bizarre living in the mountains like this. Yeah,
0: I saw your Instagram story that was referencing the crazy swings. Yeah. Well, like- that's
1: what they say about Boulder. Stay weird, Boulder. That's apparently like a- mm-hmm. staying here and I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. So like, yeah. stay weird, Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Um,
0: well, the, the break gave me a chance to just listen to the first half of our conversation and, you know, kind of see if there was anywhere that I wanted to keep taking the conversation. To be honest, I love how it was like turning into like a conversation around mindfulness and spirituality because they are so intertwined with, uh, you know, with uh, nourishment and diet and body image and all of those things. Um, The last thing we were talking about, I'm not sure where it it cut off for you, but I was kind of talking about being on the other side of the funnel where things are starting to open up again and you don't quite know what that's going to turn into, but it's all very exciting and terrifying at the same time. Um, and there's a lot of talk, you know, in the, the, the personal growth journey about like the, the shadow and like the difficult things and bringing up the trauma. But do you have, can you speak a little bit about what happens when you're on the other side, when things start to open up again, you're seeing the light and things are very exciting but there's a lot happening at the same time. Like, do you have any advice or anything you can offer once you're sort of on that other side?
1: Yeah. I think we were talking about how you can feel like a completely different person when you come out the other side of that funnel. And it's like a rebirth that happens. So for, for me, this last year, I've been getting to know like a new version of myself and I like, can really only speak for myself because I think that it's just so individual how each one of us deals with our own personal journey. And, um, I just, for the first time have less expectation of myself than I've ever had before, which is a, I'm seeing this as a good thing because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's so much more playful and there's so much room for, whatever opportunity wants to present itself in whatever way feels best for me at that time versus before I always tried to control scenarios and situations and kind of my destiny. And that was a lot of based off of being uh, scared. It was a lot of, you know, living, living from a place of fear and not really living from a place of love. And so I'm now just kind of learning what is it like to live from that other place of loving myself and being unconditional with that love looks a lot different. And I think that I, you know, the only, I I don't know if I have any advice or like, you know, (laughs) first I, it's just more sharing my own experience with what I've noticed is happening. Hmm. And it's, Hmm. yeah, there are so many opportunities and yet, uh, I'm not getting weighed down by having to choose anyone and have that be final for me. You know, even when it comes to groups of friends, right. I've opened myself up to hanging out with different people and spending time with people that I may have, I would have never explored before. And even in that, that's fluid. Perhaps that only lasts for a short time. And then that will fall away and I'll go to another, you know, place and just being really open-minded right now is at least what I've seen at that journey of coming out the other side. It's like, okay, there's all this room for play now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I th- it's something that I still struggle with. Like, I, I, th- I think I'm a, well, everybody's creative in their own ways, you know? And I keep getting ideas for things I want to execute or things I want to bring into this world, but I can't just like sit back and surrender and be like, if it happens, it happens. You know, at some point there is some, concrete action that you do have to take in order to bring those things to life. And that's kind of where my doubt creeps in a little bit. I'm like, Oh, well, should I do this? But that means, and then I see kind of like the trickle effect of like taking that, you know, going this avenue and all the ways that it could benefit or, you know, hinder my life. And then I move on to the next thing and I do the same exercise and it's, I'm almost like stuck in this loop these days.
1: Yeah. I I can relate to that a lot. Being someone who was so, so driven. And I still consider myself a very driven, ambitious person. And I am actually right now in the very beginning stages of starting a brand new business after within a year of leaving an 11 year business. So it's like, there's something there that says you still, I still want to be in that frame of mind of creation and bringing and actually having something, uh, some form that this takes right not just have ideas but actually take an idea and make it into something but what i noticed is when i first left uh, my business i was almost feeling like desperate like what's next i need to find the thing i need, you know and it was interesting to watch that desperation and how i was acting and how i was feeling almost worthless without having this external thing to make me feel validated in this world. And so that was a real spiritual lesson for me and and looking at that and being like wow, so are you not okay unless you have this thing to show for that, you know, you feel powerful with? And so I learned a lot through just watching myself and my, the actions or even lack of action I was taking because I was all over the place. <clears throat> and so I I understand that completely and what I kind of started to learn is that I would have all these ideas and I would start to do some of them. And then there would be so much anxiety that I was feeling around them. And I was talking myself in and out of it, in and out of it. And I kind of took that as this sign of, it's not the path, you're forcing something, you're trying to make something happen when that's not necessarily what is meant to happen for me. And this Mm -hmm. current endeavor that I'm in has been a different experience because I found that it's, I'm not attached to it, but I'm really excited about it, but I'm not feeling any of that desperation energy. And so I've just been paying attention to how I, how I react and interact with different ideas and where my drive lies and not fighting something uh, that I think I should be doing Mm -hmm. because it just wasn't seeming to work out. I was like, there's all this resistance and push for a reason. Maybe I should listen to that. And I should just let go and, uh, take my time and see what idea feels a little bit more fluid rather than like, I'm like kind of push my way through it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's also, um, you know, for, for those who are just kind of working on themselves right now and not doing anything, it's, you know, I think the working on ourselves is just as helpful for the world as you know going out and creating something so we you you know I'm guilty
1: Yeah. yeah
0: I'm guilty of you know falling into that trap where I'm just like working on myself and I'm like I'm not doing anything for this world you know it's it's just like this this brainwashing of like needing to be like productive and create things and like produce and deliver and have something to show for but that's only because we're programmed to think that way it's not actual truth
1: absolutely and during this whole last year of really working on myself so hardcore, I was also trying to and push my way into new endeavors because of that attachment I had to having some to show having something to show for and there was such a mismatch in those energies that was also part of it it's like you can't be in this healing process and expect yourself to have all this creativity and all of this uh, expansion to, to start going into the next thing. Uh, And then learning a lot about myself in what you're talking about, just so much brainwashing has happened and so much protecting ourselves through what we do and how we look to the world and seemingly how we're looking to ourselves, right? Like being able to check this box of like, okay, I have this, this, and this going on in my life, so therefore, I'm doing a good job, even though I might not be fulfilled or feeling connected, but I'm still like seemingly doing a good job, and it's trying, it's losing that attachment uh, that I toggle back and forth with on a on a weekly basis. i I I do not claim for that to be completely out of my life or gone, and uh, it's something that I. just very aware of now more than ever before
0: yeah and to go back to food you know it it works that way for me as well you know i'll go to the gym and i'll do yoga and then i'm like oh good job now you can like you know have a little more chocolate you know and it's instead of like looking at what do i need like what does my body need, like you know being very you know real about these things it's always like the interplay of like good versus bad you know Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I think it, you know, we are creatures of pleasure. I think that's something we need to really honor is of course you want to have chocolate. (laughs) Of course, you know, you want to take another hour off and procrastinate the work that you have to do, right? Like we are creatures that experience pleasure through food, through play, through sex. Right. And so it's no wonder that we resist some of these things that aren't giving us that feeling of pleasure and that, you know, that dopamine release that feels just so good for us. Uh, there's a fine, there is a balance though. Right. And, uh, we're in an, we're in an era. I was just, you know, I've been really fascinated around technology and how it's changing our brains and our behavior, especially with social media and people doing the you know mindless endless scrolling and, uh, just note, just reading about how that changes the dopamine in your brain to be releasing so much of it, that there's this imbalance because we are supposed to actually have, you know, a dopamine release, but then your, your, your brain corrects that. So there's going to be a come down after this, it tries to go to homeostasis. So if you're pumping out the, the dopamine, it's going to have an even harder come down because it has to balance it out. So I find that really interesting, especially when I think back to when I was binging, you know, on food and it's like so much pleasure, releasing sugar, you know, high amounts. And then, you know, how I would feel after that. Right. So it's really, it is about finding that, that balance in your life and honoring that, of course, you're going to want those things. So how can you incorporate those things and, and make them a little bit more of a, like a ritual for yourself. And, you know, I, I've been talking a lot with my clients lately about turning routine into ritual. You're going to do these things anyways, you're going to eat the chocolate, right? You're going to take a shower. You're going to, but is there anywhere that you can have a little more of a mindful practice in that moment of, you know, my husband and I, we never blessed our food before. And recently I've been really honoring this process of taking a moment and, just looking at the food and blessing the food and that's that kind of is a pattern interrupt just that right there before i just go and i just scarf the food down really fast right there's a moment of of like oh here i am look at this plate of food wow <laughs> you know it took this animal to to die to make this and it took these carrots to grow and it took this lettuce and so i think that that can be really helpful um to kind of ground
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> this is slightly embarrassing, but it, it is a ritual. Davina and I have been watching The Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, all of, all three, you know, for, for many years now. And it's pretty much like the only like bad TV that we watch anymore, but it's on on a weekly basis and without commercials, it's an hour and 24 minutes. And, you know, we'll smoke a little joint and watch that and eat a little bit of chocolate. And, you know, it's, it, but, but we do approach it almost like in this like ritualistic way, you know, where we're like, ooh, tonight it's gonna be like a bachelor night and we're gonna do this. Yeah. And we really like allow ourselves to like enjoy it like completely guilt-free, you know, and that that's super helpful for us. I did not think that's <laughs> is in the background <laughs> saying, she it's didn't okay. I I, <laughs> I
1: I watch plenty of bad television still, and it's actually been something that I've been weaning myself off of over the last couple of years. And I have a different outlook on some of these shows now that I used to just watch mindlessly and really use a lot of these shows to anesthetize myself and just be numb out because I, my life for so long was jam-packed and I was on, on all the time. And so when I would get home, I would just completely want to numb myself out. And so I there's still some of those habits are still things that I'm so aware of now in a different way. But yeah, we have my husband and I have plenty of, you know, bad TV that we will indulge in. But we were just talking about how challenging it even is to sit down and watch a movie mm-hmm. uh and and be completely present in that versus we just went to a movie theater for the first time since pre-COVID. And it was like so exciting and you're present and you're there and it's like this thing. And I said, well, we can do this at home too. We just need to make it more of, we are going to be watching this movie. You know, your phone goes away. Let's, you know, have some popcorn and actually make it again, more of this like ritual that we partake in. And I think that that there's something really special in that for, for all of us right now. And in the, in this era of like, there's so much technology and we're so distracted all the time. And that's part of the reason why we're just not even present with our food We're not even present with how's my body feeling? What does it need? Cause we're just not there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. One thing I will say about, uh, the bachelor and bachelorette is I feel like the, the level of like spirituality and mindfulness and awareness that we see in the participants has been like increasing year after year. And For me, it's almost like a, not a comfort, but like it's encouraging sign to see how, you know, humanity is progressing because there's more and more conversations like about awareness or about self-awareness and about like personal growth and all that. And if you can see it on ABC and on the Bachelorette, like, you know, like the world is kind of moving forward on some level for sure.
1: I felt the same way because I watched The Real Housewives and there were two different franchises and they both had shamans come into the group and do like a healing and you know i don't know where this person's from i don't know like you know how legit they are but just for that to even be shown to the masses of that they're doing this alternative healing practice and they're you know sharing with each other about what they want to surrender what they want to call in they're getting emotional they're really being in their feelings and i'm like this is interesting. Or am I just creating my own reality? And now, now that I am in a different place, even my reality shows are changing with me. I was thinking about that because I am a big believer in that. You know, we are creating our own yeah. reality here. So I'm like, wow, it's that is very true. What is happening? Said that?
0: You're not getting like your own version of Real Housewives. I'm not getting my own version of The Bachelorette. You know, right. so for sure, millions <laughs> of other people are seeing the same thing. Yeah. So, for more concrete steps, like what can someone do to start eating more healthy or to be more mindful when it comes to to food?
1: I think having a lot, having knowledge is really powerful when it comes to understanding what, what humans eat. I always just, this is where I start with people, like, you know, if a, pan, a panda is eating bamboo, okay, you are a human. <laughs> what are we, what are you supposed to be eating? And it gets really confusing when you go into the very minute details of, do I eat meat? Do I not eat meat? Do I eat, you know, more high fat? Do I not eat, eat fat? Right. And that stuff I'm taking off the table. We're just simply talking about what foods are going to, to be able to assimilate in your body, be used for like for fuel and to, and for energy in your system. And that's real, real food from nature. So, you know, if it, if it, was alive, basically. So living foods at one point, this food was, was alive, whether it was a plant or an animal, but there was a energy quality to it that was living. And versus I think of, you know, um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for, um, food that's like made in a factory, uh, processed food. Wow. Uh, processed food to me is like dead food, basically. So, or and products. I'm like, those aren't even foods, they're just products. So, thinking of processed food as products <laughs> might as well be shampoo yeah. and <laughs> real food, whole foods is really where you want to start. So, for anyone who's just starting on the journey of figuring out healthy eating, it's about eating real food that came from nature yeah. and just understanding what these foods do for you, getting into the science of it, geeking out over it a little bit, you know, what, it, you know, why are g- greens so good for you? What is chlorophyll? Wow. It gets energy from the sun and that is going into me. And that creates more energy in my body because everything we eat is really creating that vibration. So it's, what is the vibration of your food? Cause you can affect your own vibration through that. So that's where I started to really, for my own like journey of eating. Well, I started to geek out over that stuff. Like, Holy moly. Like that's pretty incredible that what you're eating is making me so I can make those choices. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's really the, that's the first place to start not even worrying about how much am I eating? What exact of the macronutrients am I having Mm -hmm. that stuff? I think can get, can kind of deter people and like steer them away from just making sure that they're eating like real whole. foods
0: especially as a first step like once things become too complicated like that's when your mind shuts off and it's like yeah it's like this like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it but you can keep it simple and yeah just eating food that is or was alive is Mm -hmm. definitely yeah. A good way to do it. It's so funny that we were talking about that because the interruption or the noise in the background is our weekly box delivery from like the local farm that brings us, you know, all of this delicious, nutritious food that was alive 24 hours ago. Um, just like the synchronicity and the timing of things. Is, That's awesome. <laughs> it's beautiful.
1: Yeah. And like in farm shares, which are, you know, everywhere, are a great way to also increase just a variety. If you're used to, you know, eating the same fruits and vegetables, depending on where you are, where I am, seasonally things change. So, you know, my, the CSA in the winters, we look a lot different than the CSA in the summer, Mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. So it just makes you have variety and eat seasonally when you do that, which is really helpful. And, you know, in different practices in Chinese medicine, in Ayurveda, there is a lot with eating in, in alignment with nature and with the seasons and with where you are so that you're adapting to that place. And we are a part of nature. So thinking of yourself as just an extension of that, of the land and being one with that area can just, it just feels, it just makes you feel healthier. It's hard to explain, but it really is. It's a tangible feeling when you are eating more seasonally like that. So there's another place for people to kind of look at, you know, am I having a kiwi in the winter, you know, in Colorado coming from New Zealand, it's a little strange. And also thinking about the environmental impact as well. So <laughs> that stuff uh, can be useful to think about.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think, again, it, it comes back to mindfulness, you know, around, how we shop for food and where it comes from and what we put into our bodies. And that extends to cooking as well. Like I notice a difference when I'm cooking mindfully versus not like the quality of the dish that I'll prepare is far superior when I'm present with the food and with the cooking process. And I'm, you know, interacting with it in a way that I'm really present with it versus distracted on my phone, doing other things at the same time, like, the food is just not going to taste as good.
1: Yeah. Putting intention into your interior your food is definitely important. And, you know, there's definitely a school of thought around that intentionality in, you know, who's making your food and what kind of energy they have and it, where they let's, it was somebody angry and pissed and doesn't care. And they're cooking you food. Do you want that meal? Or would you rather have a meal that was made with a lot of love and a lot of reverence for the food and someone who's really enjoying what they're doing. Um, you know, those things might not be so easy for everyone to pick up on, but definitely the more that you sort of eat real food and kind of cleanse your system, those nuances, you can kind of feel things like that over time. You know, if something felt like feels supportive and loving versus this is this food feels a little angry and rushed. Um, but yeah i would say that you know that's the place to start and and then the other piece of it which is like how much do i eat what of what do i eat you know should i be eating more protein should i be that is very bio individual people are all different we have different genetic makeups we come from different parts of the world if you know my husband's you know southeast asian he metabolizes food differently i am eastern european So there are differences in what foods we thrive on. That is just experimentation. Learn about your ancestry a little bit. And what did your ancestors eat? Because there's probably a lot of key information there that to help you figure out what you might digest best and metabolize best and make you feel the best. So that's a place you can kind of look at, go on a little Mm -hmm. treasure hunt of what did my ancestors live off of? and, uh, and play with that a little bit. Like I do really well on potatoes. <laughs> I realized I'm like, that could be with every meal. I could have potatoes, but I don't do as well on rice. Rice really affects my digestion. My husband, he could live off rice. Rice can be, he can have that with every meal. And you just kind of notice those things. And one of the ways you can notice them is your poop. And I talk about this, with all my clients, I'm like got to start looking in the bowl and seeing like, what's the quality of your, of your, you know, of your bowel movements. Are are you going regularly and do different foods affect it? That's a great way to kind of dissect your own like nutrition and what you need. Um, and then how much you need, you know, portion wise for people. again, that really is individual on how much is someone moving, right? Are they an athlete? They may need a lot more, to sustain that kind of energy versus someone who's more sedentary. And I am not someone who ever tells people to count calories. Although for some of my athletes, I will utilize, use that as just some key information in the beginning of working with someone to kind of find like what the sweet spot is for them. And they can use like, you know, a tracking app and, and their Apple watch, if they have one to kind of see like, what's how much energy expenditure is actually happening for this person. I've seen for many women in particular, tend towards eating too little and they're working out too much. And there's a mismatch of energy expenditure versus how much energy they're taking in. And the body, the body does not like that. It's going to try to hold on to what it can. And so, uh, you may not feel the best. You might feel more sluggish in your workouts, or you might actually feel that you're not seeing a physical result that you would think you would from the amount of exercise you're doing. So those are like little tweaks and things. It depends on the person, but uh, I'm, I'm more so with nutrition, all about how you, how it's making you feel physically from a performance standpoint. And also from a mental health standpoint, because your gut and your brain are so linked and you know, your dopamine and serotonin are in your gut They're Those are key chemicals that, that are in our gut. And 70% of our immune system is also in our gut. So the gut's kind of like the power center for how we feel.
0: Yeah. There's a lot more conversation around gut health, I feel in the last couple of years. It, it, it keeps coming up and every yeah. uh, everywhere that I look. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Healthy microbiome, pretty much healthy life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, it's coming down to what with more the more and more research that's being done on this, it's pretty amazing to see just how much impact the microbiome has on health and in particular seeing poor health and, uh, and, and, you know, the obesity epidemic that we're in and, and seeing that that's so linked to the gut and the bacteria that, that resides in the gut. And that bacteria really changes from processed food, right. Chemicals and preservatives, and, uh, also just pollutants as well. Like, you know, are you living in a big city and you're also, and you're eating a ton of processed food and fast food and, you know, the microbiome's probably not going to be so happy.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I get this newsletter every week. That's like good news of the week. And for the most part, it's it's wonderful. It's like such a breath of fresh air to get positive news instead of, you know, okay. the, the gloomy mainstream stuff. But one of them this week was about the amount of plant-made meat that's being produced and how like this factory is like increasing its capacity to deliver uh, uh, factory produced meat and I was like mm, like I'm not like I get the like correlation to like you know the the gases that are being emit and all that but you know that's kind of where I feel like humans sometimes take things a little bit too far the other way and like the pendulum swings a little bit a little bit too much
1: yeah I mean we're in a capitalistic society and it's yeah. you know it's a following the trends of what are people buying and what's going to make money. And even something like a plant-based burger, you know, you're being plastered all over even fast food chains right now, the impossible burger, you know, is here. And so, and, you know, people are quick to jump on whatever trend they think is going to make them healthier. And it's, it's by no fault, you know, of anyone's other than the fact that, We, again, going back to brainwashing, we are extremely brainwashed by the media and it's, you know, controlling what many people are buying. And, uh, I, I, I really think that we have to take more of a stand for, for our own, have more agency for each one of our journeys of health and not just rely on, oh, plant-based is good. Okay, cool. I'm going to eat plant-based now, but Why? You know, like doing your own research and looking into why is that good for me and seeing how it feels for you and not just jumping on every single thing because someone says like, this is going to be the answer. Everyone's always looking for that magical thing that's going to bring them, you know, to the place of losing weight or feeling better, you know? So I think that we have to just take a little more agency over that stuff.
0: That's great advice for sure. Um what's your take on intermittent fasting?
1: There's another one that's kind of like, you know, on the scene and it's and it's great when things come on the scene. I'm not saying that every single thing that comes up is like, ooh, you should. be weary of it, but I'm always questioning because if you see throughout the years, there there are trends. I mean, there was a r- big raw food movement back in like 2010 or 2012 that I jumped on at the time and then, you know, um gluten-free became such a big thing over the last decade. And then keto is now such a big thing that you're seeing. And then the intermittent fasting is, but, you know, there's, these are valid ways of choosing to eat and, and seeing if they work for you. And it's not that they are unhealthy or quote unquote bad. It's just learn it. And you should learn a little bit about what is the actual benefit? Cause many people choose these plans simply because they want to lose weight is what, in my experience of working with a lot of clients is they want that thing. That's finally going to make them look better. <laughs> and they equate that to a better life. So I have a whole like thing around just the psychology of that. And it's like, you know, the body is ever changing and to, to be so attached to it, this perfect form that we're trying to achieve. And And for what, right? Because of the messaging that we've received around that thinness or this physique is going to then allow you to have an easier life or a better life. So I just bring that up because when you're looking at any of these things, what's your why around doing it? Because if it is just like, I want to look better, there are, you know, A lot of different things you could do, but with intermittent fasting, to me, intermittent fasting is definitely more for health and to support somebody's digestion and give their body more opportunity to heal because the body can't really digest and heal all at the same time. It takes a lot of energy to do both of those things. And so, giving your digestion a break is a good idea for all of us. You know, for me, Personally, I do a 12, 12 most days, and that's just, all right, give myself 12 hours of not having to digest anything. And then there's 12 hours of eating and it's very natural Mm -hmm. to do a 12, 12. I have not myself gone into like, you know, a 16 hour fast or, and I've yet to even do a 24 hour in a long time, other than maybe when I was a kid, because with, uh Jewish holidays. Yeah. <laughs> and I probably did, and I probably <laughs> I, didn't make to be honest. <laughs> I
0: hated those. I was like, oh no, it's the holiday where we don't eat. I uh. yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> uh but there's also something to fasting that there's a spiritual there's a spiritual component, right? If you look at many many religions, there's fasting involved. And there's something about being able to abstain from that pleasure that food gives us that allows you to go inward and kind of deal with yourself. And, uh, it's like the way that COVID for many people, it allowed this different introspection to happen because all of a sudden they weren't as distracted. They weren't having to go anywhere. And so fasting can do that. And it kind of has, makes you face this part of yourself that always wants to, make yourself feel better and always just wants to like put, you know, hand to mouth, hand to mouth, right? I think you mentioned that in the beginning of our episode, just this fixation, sometimes just a mouth thing. Sometimes it's not even your body doesn't actually need as much as we think it does. It's just, we get fixated on that, that pleasure that comes from food. So I think that there's something in fasting that's beyond the health benefits, which there are to help your body heal. There is a benefit with, with the spiritual practice of being able to abstain from something in that way. And it builds the strength inside of you that, uh, I believe is really important for a lot of us. I've been, this is why I'm the fat with the fasting thing. I, the more and more that I learn about it, it's less for me about, oh, it's going to be really healing. It's more for me about, it's going to be really good for my mental fortitude, (laughs) And what i'm capable of it's the kind of like vipassana doing you know silent retreats it's that same thing of like going inward and just dealing with yourself without any external pleasures to distract you from from you
0: yeah yeah can you hold that emotion or the the, the feelings that come up you know as as you have that craving for food you know can you sit there and be with whatever wants to come up that you would normally just numb and throw something in your Yeah.
1: Brain. Yeah. And for anyone who has had disordered eating, especially, you know, binging, like I did so much of what I was doing was trying to push down those feelings that were trying to come up in such a big way that I had to like stuff them down you know, that's, that's really a metaphor. I think that how we eat, how we live, you know, I often say how we do one thing is how we do probably a lot of things in our life and just seeing a theme for yourself in how you operate could teach you a lot about what are you trying to not look at.
0: Yeah. Um, Davina and I have been intermittent fasting. We, we do 16, eight most days and we've been at it for, I don't know, probably about a year, maybe even a little bit longer now. And it has gotten easier over time, but there's still, you know, some days where we just don't feel like doing it or we listen to our body and our body is actually lacking food. And we do need to, you know, eat a little bit more that evening or break our fast a little bit earlier in the morning. Uh, But for anyone who's curious to try it, I I do recommend it. And after a week, your body is, is used to not eating anymore, you know, right before bed and I mean, I think that's pretty universal for most people, you know, the two, three hours before bedtime should be, we should abstain from food so that we can sort of do the top digestion and go to bed without our body working so hard to move the food through us.
1: That's why I think 12, 12, if someone doesn't want to go get, go into the 16, eight and kind of go that next step, 12, 12 is sort of just, it's totally natural and really doable for pretty much everyone to, to try that without feeling scared of, oh no, I'm not going to be. Cause really just, it just means go to sleep, have a couple hours before bed, go to sleep and don't eat. Probably not going to eat the first thing when you wake up and most people don't want to eat the first thing when they wake up anyways. So it's a more natural way of trying it. If you want to give it a little, a shot.
0: Yeah. Um, so we're about to wrap this up. Um, there's a couple of questions I like to ask my guests. Uh, I think it's super interesting. Uh, what, is, uh, what is the day in the life of Juliet or do you have a daily practice that you wanna share with us?
1: Sure. Um, well, there's a couple of things that I do pretty much every day. And one of them is movement. I just love to exercise. I am a very high energy person. I always have been. And I feel like it's like, you've got to run me around like, like a kid or a dog. I have to like run around until I get tired and, and relax. So just knowing that about myself, super high energy, I do a very pretty, very like vigorous exercise practice almost daily where I am just sweating and like grunting and getting it out of my system. But it's not the same every day. Sometimes it's a run. Sometimes it's lifting weights. Sometimes it's Pilates. I kind of just vary, vary it and base it on how my body's feeling that day and, uh, like use my intuition around kind of what workout am I going to do? And then meditation is something that's been really powerful for me in my practice daily. And, uh, I actually meditate after I work out. So I sort of like get this, all this energy out of my body and I'm completely released. And then I go, I'm able to get even deeper into a meditation practice. And, that is also very intuitive in which meditation I'm going to do for that day. There are some meditations where I want to go purely try to get into the void and go into like nothingness. And then there are other meditations where, um, I just intuitively sense that, like, I need a little more guidance. I need, uh, or I want to do a manifestation kind of future meditation and go into like a, a place of expansion and fun and creativity. So yeah, that, the practices that I do are really just kind of fluid right now. I'm not doing, I don't have any, like any rigidity currently, which I think is a good thing for me where I'm at in my life.
0: It's something that I always struggled with. And today I'm on like day 10 of meditating in 10 days in a row. And I struggled with it before that. And I think part of it was because I was so rigid with how, where, when I should do it. Whereas now this time I approached it with, I just want to meditate ideally twice a day, like in the morning, in the evening, but if it's just once a day, that's fine. And I used to think that it had to be like first thing in the morning, wake up at five 30 before the kids go outside, meditate, you know, sit there. But now I'm like way more loose with it. Like this morning I get up, get the kids ready for school, bring them to school, went to the gym also, then came back, took a cold shower. And then like it was, you know, 10, 1030. And I, sat outside and did my 30, 40 minute meditation. And that it's equally valuable as like the 5.30 first thing in the morning meditation. And to, to think that I used to think otherwise is like, it seems ridiculous to me now. Uh, but having this flexibility is what's allowing me to stick to it. And I'm on like day 10 and I, I know it's gonna keep going because I can do it in more places at more varied times now.
1: Yeah. And I just think, be proud of yourself. I'm proud of myself for every single meditation I do, Mm -hmm. even if it only was 10 minutes or whoa, I did a 30 minute, or I just feel so proud of myself because there were so many years where I could not get into the routine of meditating and I resisted it so much and I would procrastinate to go. Oh, well, another day where I didn't do it or I didn't do it. It's properly. It's not the right time. I don't not doing it. I'm not doing it right. I'm not getting there, you know. So uh it's just it's just a like a powerful, proud moment for me every time I meditate right now. And the other thing that I do that I see as a a meditation is I walk every day without fail, at least an hour a day. Mm. And this is like I almost take myself on a walk like I'm walking a dog, like we're going on a walk. And I really call them my soul walks. I get so much out of them. So many ideas come through when I'm going on these walks and looking at the trees. And sometimes I'll actually connect with a tree and I'll hug a tree and I'll kiss a tree. And I'll just, you know, (laughs) I have my moment just with nature and I'm really lucky now to not be living in a city because I would do this before and it would just be big, tall buildings around me and dirt. And now I actually, you know, can have mountains in the background and like all this beauty. So really not taking that for granted. And my walks have just upgraded like so much since we moved here, but that's something that is in my daily practice, like without fail, almost like every single day.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and the last question, which, um, is something that was asked of me last year and I didn't really have an answer and I still don't really, the definition keeps changing, but what is spirituality for you?
1: Yeah that's a that is that's a tough question i think that, i don't it what it is for me right now is connecting to something more powerful than myself that makes me feel a sense of support that and that i'm supported that i that have a reason for being on this earth, that there's something larger at play, that there's magic that I can tap into. And truly believing that magic exists for me in the last couple of years of my life has been the greatest gift because it just means that there's so many things that I can tap into that, uh, are beyond just this day-to-day life of materialism that I was caught up in for so long. Like there's, there's a whole invisible world, What to me, that is really exciting to be able to tap into that. So spirituality, I think is just about tapping into that connection to something greater than myself and being aligned with what's true for me. And uh, honoring whatever that is. So if I want to believe in magic or spells, for example, or if I want to, you know, channel an a being, or whatever it may be, that has been what I am perceiving my own spirituality, as is just tapping into something that's this invisible force that just feels really fun, expansive and nurturing and loving. And uh, developing unconditional love for myself also has been a big part of spirituality for me.
0: Thank you. That was beautiful.
1: It's a hard one to answer, right?
0: <laughs> is, yeah. I love hearing everybody's answers. You know, it, uh, it's interesting to see how everybody interprets it and what, what it means to different people. And I think all answers are valid. There's no right or wrong.
1: I think that is what spirituality is what you just said that all answers are valid there's no right or wrong it's whatever your truth is for you Mm -hmm. that is this connection to yourself and to something perhaps beyond you and it's really powerful to tap into that because just feels like you can do more and experience more with that yeah Thank Thank you you so
0: much for coming on and sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom. This was so interesting for me. And I I can like all of this like oozes out of you. Like I can tell how much you know about nutrition and fitness and coaching and trauma and healing and spirituality. And so I'm very grateful that you agreed to come on and that we had this conversation.
1: Yeah. And I would love to get you on the WooCast to come on to my podcast.
0: It would be an an honor.
1: so awesome. Yeah. I'll definitely reach out and we will have you on the show. I want to hear all about your own journey, especially being in fit for service. Cause I follow Aubrey Marcus and all the people in that circle. And it's so, so amazing. And I was just looking at the, um, his Instagram from Sedona, I think you went to Sedona, right. And, and then, um, Matias was there.
0: That's right. I had
1: just gone to a whole Matias weekend. Yes. So <laughs> yeah, I definitely have to have you on and like I would love well, to your whole journey.
0: I would love to, for sure. Um, yeah. where can people find you?
1: Yeah. So my website is rootedpower.com and then I'm on Instagram, Juliet underscore root, just like the tree. So yeah, everybody can find me either my website or my Instagram.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much again, and I look forward to
1: us talking again soon. All right. Thanks, Daniel. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. You too.